so grateful to be able to join on this special occasion with you tonight to, uh, to honor you, to say thank you. you know, as I was just praying over the last several weeks about what the Lord wanted to do tonight, I just, what I just felt from the heart of the Lord was, I, I just want to encourage you tonight. I just want to encourage you. Do you know that encouragement is just like oxygen to your soul? Have you ever met anybody that is over-encouraged? They just said, enough, please, no more, no more, no more. No. I don't think I've ever met anybody like that. I don't think you can be overly encouraged. Amen? So just want to take a few moments tonight. I feel like the Lord has given me something prophetically just to speak over you as a church. But um, I just want to share with you a few words from Scripture and uh, an encouraging word for you. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to this verse of Scripture. Uh, it's found in Philippians chapter 1. Uh, if you d don't know this already, you know, the letter that's written to the church at Philippi was written really from the context of Paul's favorite church. I know as parents, it's hard. We say, well, we don't have favorite children. But it frankly is very obvious as you study the book of Philippians, this was Paul's favorite church. I wonder why. And so I would just want to read a couple of verses uh, from Philippians. So we'll start from Philippians chapter 1, and then there's one verse in Philippians chapter 4. Let me read these to you. Philippians chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 3. After he addresses the church at Philippi, he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. And he's writing this from prison, right? He's writing this letter from his prison cell. He's writing this and he's thinking about the people who made an impact at Philippi. He's thinking about the members and the leaders of that church. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always Pray with joy. It's always with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. He's speaking of the very first day that he met them and they began to gather together as a church. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That's amazing. Verses of Scripture there, isn't it? It is right for me, goes on in verse 7, to say it is right for me to feel this way about you. Since I have you all right here in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or whether I'm defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. I said, you're my joy. That's the kind of thing you'd say to, you know, your wife or your husband. Something you'd say to your kids. You're my joy. You're what really gives me joy in life. And then to wrap it up in chapter 4 and verse 1. He says, therefore, my brothers, for whom I love and long for, you are my joy and my crown. I can't think of higher praise to offer to a church. You're my joy. You're my crown. 
And that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And then in verse 15. He says, for moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. I think you can pick up from the language of the book of Philippians that Paul was really deeply in love and indebted to this group of people, wasn't he? You say, what does it mean for church? I understand that say that you're my joy. I really think uh, if I could speak on behalf of your pastor and the leadership here at this church, I can say you represent their joy. You are their crown. You say, what's the deal with the crown? The crown just means that you make life worth living. You make their life worthwhile. It's a special phrase of recognition. You're my crown. And I think that's what God wants to encourage you with tonight. Bottom line, Paul was saying to this church, I think the Lord wants to say to you tonight, you are special. And tonight you're to be encouraged. The church simply could not exist without you. I learned a long time ago that the church doesn't need more members. It needs more ministers. Every single one of you, you're ministers. A lot of churches are people are faulty in their thinking and they think, okay, here are the members and here in this elite status are the ministers. Well, if you read the book of Acts, you read the New Testament, every believer is a minister. Every believer is to be a minister. Every one of us. Notice the language you use, your partnership with me. That's what this really is all about, isn't it? It's about a partnership. None of us can do everything. We need one another. And the part that you're lacking, you make up. The part that you're missing, you make up. But all of us make up the body of Christ. And you're doing something remarkable and something special here in this place. Did you know that the average church in North America, only 15% of their people are involved and engaged in active ministry service? I don't know your statistics, but I guarantee it's far above that. Because of you, the load is not overwhelming. The load isn't carried just by one person. I know pastors that resign, quit the ministry every year. The numbers are staggering. And part of the reason is because they don't have a group of willing, great volunteers like you. By the way, your pastor has not said anything to me over the weekend at all about quitting, so I think he's good. He's good. May I just share with you, uh, in keeping kind of with the theme for tonight, very quickly before I just give you a word from the Lord. There's several different kinds of people that the church could not do without. Okay? Number one, the church simply cannot do without faithful volunteers. Faithfulness just might be the greatest attribute that we see in the New Testament. It is considered to be the, one of the queen virtues of the New Testament. All of us, I don't know about you, but what I really want to hear 
What I want to hear when I see Jesus is that phrase taken from Matthew 25 that says what? Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what it's all about. Whether you're an apostle or an evangelist or a doorkeeper or an usher or an offering counter or whatever you are, whatever role you're fulfilling, the real key is to be faithful. I've often wondered if Jesus Christ were to select and pick out, and I know things like this, we don't think about this, but if he were to pick out and give an award tonight for the most outstanding volunteer of 2015, who would it be? I don't have a clue, but what I do know is they'd be faithful. They would be faithful. That's what the Lord asks of us. Just be faithful. And so I think I just want to say congratulations and keep on being faithful. The second kind of people that the church could not do without. The church could not do without willing volunteers. The very fact that you're here tonight says you're one of those willing. You might say, well, what else would we be? Because some people function in positions and roles and responsibilities because they're coerced to do so. Because they feel pressure or they feel obligated. And that's that doesn't get God's attention. That doesn't really achieve anything. And there really, I don't think, will be much credit in heaven for people who do things that way. No. You're doing so willingly. Psalm 110 verse 3 says that in your day, Lord, the troops will be willing. Willing. I can't think of anything greater. Can you, if you're a commander in chief, just have willing troops, willing workers, willing soldiers. Wow. That's special. Thank you for being willing. Willing to work. Christians ought to be willing to give their all. More people ought to be willing than just you to give their all so that the church can make an impact in the world today. I hope that you're not among the whining, but instead the willing. Amen. And I imagine that you are among the willing, willing to support, willing to work, willing to go the far distance. It's been said that the grasshopper on the fence makes more noise than the ox in the field. But the ox does the work. I've heard a lot of whining grasshoppers in my day, but it's the ox that do the work. Some of you may not seem like a compliment, but it is art. You're like the oxen. You do the work. You carry the load. Thank you so much. Sometimes I think we overemphasize ability. And we compare ourselves with other people that oh, they have this ability, they have that. I really think when it boils down to it, availability is far more important than ability, isn't it? How many of you here are here because you're available to be used of God? I think that's exactly why you're doing what you're doing. The third kind of people that the church can't do without are visionary volunteers. Faithful, willing, and visionary. The Bible says that without a vision, finish it for me. The people perish. A church cannot move forward without a vision. But a vision must not only be communicated and cast by the vision carrier, but the vision must be caught for the people. And so I encourage you tonight, get clear on the vision that God has given to Pastor Todd in this church. 
Get behind it and be mindful of it as you're doing whatever you're doing, as you're teaching children in, in class or whether you're handing out bulletins, what it is. Always keep in mind the big picture, the vision of why you're doing it. You're not doing it simply because you're on the rotation schedule for this week. You're not doing it because someone enlisted you. You're doing it because of the vision of the house. And that's what really makes it tick. Fourth kind of people the church couldn't do without? Positive people. Positive people. Some people are known for saying things like, Pastor, we can't do that. We've never done that way before. This and that. And uh, to be honest with you, we even find it in Scripture. You remember when the spies were sent out? The majority came back and they said, no way. There's simply no way we can do this. Only two out of the 12, said, let's go for it. Our God is great. Let's go for it. What we really want, I know I often pray for is, Lord, give me some positive, faith-filled leaders, workers, volunteers. We need to be positive. We need to think about what God can do, will do, if we simply believe him to do it. He needs optimists, not pessimists. He wants you to hear, he wants to hear you quote Philippians 4.13. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Family Life Church can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? Be positive. And lastly, the church couldn't do without generous volunteers. Generosity is a tremendous quality. It's one that's commended in Scripture. It's a generous spirit. When I say generous, I don't mean just giving money. A generous spirit. We all understand that stewardship is the management of certain things. Our time. Not just our money, our treasure, our time, our talents. We're called to be stewards of that. Meaning that they don't belong to us. They belong to God. God owns them. We're simply going to be held accountable for how we use them here on this earth. To be generous simply means to be honoring the Lord as a good steward. And you have been generous already with your time, with yourself, with your talents. Keep on. Keep on having that generous spirit. Recently, I heard that Rick Warren said this on on a TV news broadcast. He said, we must measure a man's generosity by what he has left over not what he has. You really think about the way God measures generosity. It's not how much you're giving of your time or your money or what. It's really what's left over. Isn't that what we see in the Gospels? Warren said, it's not a sin to be rich. It's just a sin to die rich. God's looking for generous people. I close with a story. Years and years ago, I was pastoring a church in Austin, Texas, and I had a young man who had recently started attending the church. And uh, he was a very willing worker, and they were very, very consistent, regular in services, and caught my attention. And one day he came up to me after church, and he said, he said, Bobby, I want to... uh, 
I want to do something at the church. I want to make a gift to the church. And I'm always attentive to that. And he said, uh, I want to start giving some time. I said, great. Yeah, we're always ready for that. He said, no, in a big way. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm quitting my job this week. I'm like, oh, no. He said, I'm quitting my job this week. I feel that God's called me into the ministry. So I'm quitting my job, and I'm, I've saved up enough money. I want to give six months full-time service to the Lord and to this church. And so, first of all, I began trying to talk him out of quitting his job. That was the first thing I did. But he was, he was absolutely determined. This is what God called him to do. I said, look, I said, I'm not going to try to talk you out of you if you're that determined. So for the next six months, he came and he served every day. He said, just give me anything and everything. I want to learn everything I can about how to serve the church. And so I did. At the end of that time, he worked six months. And I mean, to the very day, he came to my office. He said, my time's up. I'm like, okay, what now? He said, well, you know, I told you that God's called me to minister. I said, yes. He said, well, I, I, I've decided that a good place to begin was by being a youth pastor. I said, a youth pastor? He said, yes. He said, um, he said so I'm looking, this is like a long time ago before we were able to use web-based uh, uh, search tools. And he said, uh, I put my resume out and I'm looking for positions, church positions, youth pastor positions. I'm sent, and I'm thinking to myself, this is not the guy that anybody would ever hire to be the youth pastor. I mean, I've never seen him, I've never seen him spend any time with you. I mean, it's like he doesn't even care about young people. And why is he applying for that job? I was amazed at how hard he had worked for us in the church. But I'm thinking, but he was the kind of guy that just would never give up. He put out his resume. In about two months, he came to me and said, guess what? He said, I got an interview. I'm like, you got a what? He said, I got an interview. There's a church up in Indiana that wants me to come up for an interview for the youth pastor position. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to you know, hurt his feelings. I'm thinking, oh, man. This is, uh, this is going to be a train wreck. This is ugly. He was determined. He paid his weight, went all the way up to Indiana, northern Indiana, had an interview, calls me up on the phone. He had arrived, and he said, by the way, I forgot to ask you something. I said, what? He said, what do youth pastors do? <laughs> He's taking notes, you know. He wanted to be prepared for his interview. Taking notes. I'm thinking, oh, this is not good. He calls me up in a couple of days and said, guess what? I said, what? He said, got the job. I'm thinking someone needs to examine that pastor's head to hire this guy to be the youth pastor. He went, took the position, served there for four years as a youth pastor, got a promotion to be an associate pastor, calls me up and says, I've got a new responsibility. I've got some more assignments. Tell me how to do this. So I'm literally coaching the guy on his job long distance, right? So he's been serving at that church for about six, seven years. He's on a trip to Israel. He's on the way back from Israel. And he calls me up when he arrives back in the U.S. And he said, he said, uh, Pastor, listen, I had a vision, a vision from God on the flight back from Israel. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, I'm a little scared to ask, but go ahead and tell me. He said, God's calling me to be a missionary to Russia. <laughs> said, um, first of all, a missionary? Secondly, to Russia? You're kidding me. He said, no. I'm like, how do you argue with a vision, right? I mean, it's like 
You can't argue with God, right? So I said, look, I said, I'm concerned about this, 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 being real practical. And he said, all right, thank you for the help, but I got to get ready to go to Russia. <laughs> the guy moves to Russia. He moves to a rural area outside of St. Petersburg. And he just begins to evangelize. He just begins to share the gospel. He hired, he didn't know the language, so he hires an interpreter to go everywhere he went, sharing Jesus. So in a couple of months, I get another phone call. This time, all the way from Russia. I need help. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you do. I said, what do you need help doing? He said, we've won about 400 people to Jesus. Now we have to start churches. How do you start a church? This guy's relentless. There's more to the story, but time won't allow. He stayed there for seven years. He planted over 20 churches. Two Bible training centers. Still to this day is doing ministry in and out of Russia, taking teams all over that nation. Moved back to the States. He called me one more time and he said, I'm moving back to America. I said, to do what? He said, I don't know, but the Lord told me I'm finished in Russia for right now. By this point, I'm a little slow, but by this, by this point, I'm living in Virginia Beach and I have a church with a growing, a growing church and growing staff. I hired him on my staff. I didn't even send him, a, I didn't even send him a position description. I just hired him on the spot. I said, listen, all I know is one thing. You are so faithful. I mean, to be honest with you, he's a little wonky. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's really, you know, you're not sure he's the sharpest knife in the drawer, but he was faithful. God honors a faithful worker. Amen. And now he's a close friend too, by the way. <laughs> Can we pray together? I just want the Lord to breathe oxygen into your soul tonight. I just want you to be filled tonight with the freshness of God's presence. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, just come and breathe into us. Renewed energy. The first thing I felt impressed from the Lord to do is I want to pray for those of you who are here tonight. You know, your family. We can be honest with one. I felt like the Lord said there's some that are here tonight that are fatigued, just worn out. Maybe it's just life in general. Maybe it's other situations. Or frankly, maybe it's the ministry, the work of the ministry, and you're just flat exhausted. I really feel if you're courageous enough, I'd like to pray for you. And if you're here tonight, no, there's no judgment, no prejudgment about that. We've all been there. Would you just stand to your feet right now? Just allow the Holy Spirit to surge tonight through you with freshness. Anyone else before I pray? Bible challenges us that we're going to reap what we sow and that we shouldn't give it up. The Bible tells us not to faint. Continue to do well. 
maybe if there's someone standing right close to you, you can just reach out your hand to them and pray for them as I do. Holy Spirit, come right now. Breathe fresh upon these individuals tonight who honestly, transparently say, I'm just worn out, I'm worn down. Lord, we know that in a moment, in a flash, you can rejuvenate us. You can renew us from the inside. Holy Spirit, quicken these individuals with a fresh dose of energy. Lord, renew their strength as they wait upon you. Let them leave here tonight like leaping calves, leaping out of the stall. Let them fly out like eagles' wings. Breathe upon them tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. You can be seated. I just want you to be still and wait upon the Lord. I'm just going to share this prophetic message that I believe is relevant for you and for this church. For I, the Lord, have demonstrated my loving kindness to you. And because of your willingness and your cooperation, your willingness to follow my guidance, your willingness to do it my way and not your own, I have poured out blessings upon you. And this day I commend you, says the Lord, because you haven't taken advantage, you haven't wasted those blessings, but you have reinvested them in the work of the Lord. For I put the light into this church. It is my presence, it is my spirit that allows you to shine in darkness because you depend upon me. Because you depend upon my Holy Spirit. I'm going to refill and refill and refill you as my lamp and my lantern. For I've called this church to many great things. And I say unto you that do not assume that its best days are behind it. For I say unto you, I've saved the best wine for the last. I have yet to pour out the things that you will see in the future. For I even now am beginning to breathe <coughs> fresh wind into this church. And you will begin to see activity, divine activity within parts of this body. <coughs> and I'm drawing people. I'm drawing people with needs. And because you have not only been concerned about those that would be a blessing, but you've always gone after, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> those who are needy, those who are without hope. Because you have ministered to people that others would not. I will give you people. I will give you people that will bless you that will cause you to overflow. I've called you to be a church like Antioch. 
the church that was always equipping, in which the gifts, the fivefold ministry gifts were always present, always evident, always equipping, always ministering. <clears throat> and it was the church that was always sending. I called you to be a deploying, a deployment center. I've called you to be not only an equipping station, but I've called you to be a sending church. Do not fret. And don't be concerned when there are those that are sent out. Because as you send your best, you'll be replenished. For you will be a place of equipping and training and sending. Do not regret the sending of people for you. Because that will be your calling. For that is your destiny. You are to replenish. You are to send. You are to train, transform, and deploy workers around this globe. And I say that I'll continue to breathe upon you. And even as this church was birthed out of a move of my spirit on the earth, once again, says the Lord, I will come by my spirit and I will pour out my spirit and a movement of my spirit, a fresh movement will sweep across this area and it will cause great fruitfulness and great harvest. For I have called this church to be the womb, the womb that will be impregnated by my spirit and I will conceive great things through you as you give birth to movements, give birth to workers, give birth to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, worship leaders. For you are a womb, a fruitful womb, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Lord, we receive that tonight. Let your people receive and be encouraged tonight. Thank you for allowing us to hear from heaven. 